I look back at that point in my life, in our life, and I think it's a blessing because, like you said, it was a wake-up call for for me, for for Caleb, and our relationship to not assume that everything was okay and put it on cruise control and think, you know, we're going to be happy and content when we weren't really communicating. We thought we were great communicators. We thought we were talking about everything. But really, now looking back, we weren't talking about the right things. We weren't talking about the hard things. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 328. We're Finn and Emma, and today we talk with Kim. She walks us through her journey with her partner, her husband, for the last eight years-ish years in exploring non-monogamy, exploring the swinging lifestyle specifically. And it is a lovely conversation full of ups and downs in their journey and lots of uh, learning experiences as well. I think that's a solid way to say it. (laughs) I think what this is one of my favorite ways that anybody's ever experienced a swinging or sex club for the first time. Yeah, there's quite a story there. I'm pretty excited about this one. And just sort of, as Emma said, how they've moved through this, the ups and downs, the the bumps that they've hit and how they've recovered. And then they've gone back into it and made more mistakes and learned from those and evolved. It's just, it's a beautiful story of growing together and figuring out how How do we meet our own needs while staying within the boundaries and agreements of our relationship, while growing our relationship? It's it's such a beautiful story. So thank you, Kim, for coming on the show, for sharing your story, and for writing your book, your memoir, The Swinger in the Mirror, for anybody who would love to get a little bit deeper look at this and some more details of some of the lessons and some of the adventures that that Kim and her husband Caleb went on, please, please check out her book. It came out last fall. It is called The Swinger in the Mirror. There are links in the podcast show notes for you to go and get yourself a copy. Definitely, definitely check it out. We have a copy. It is amazing. Yes, definitely go check out her work. As Finn said, they're in the podcast. Links are in the podcast show notes. You can find that over at our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And with that, anyone who's a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the interview with Kim now. And for anyone else, you get to listen to our fun announcements. First up, premium subscription. If you're not familiar with this, it's a way to skip these announcements up front, but still get um, all of the important dates in the outro to sign up. Go to our website, I said it just a minute ago, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and scroll down on the homepage. You can sign up right there. Also, while you're on our website, up on the top, you'll see a banner 
advertising and showing you all, our next virtual meet and greet is going to be on March 7th. We would love for you to mark your calendars now. We just had a virtual meet and greet this past weekend, and it was an incredible time. We met so many fun people. For anyone not familiar, these virtual meet and greets are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. They're a great way to come and meet people. We give you a, a question to talk about, put you in breakout rooms uh, with for about six, seven minutes to discuss that question with whoever's in your breakout room, and then bring you back, scramble the rooms, and repeat for two hours. It's a really fun time. So we would absolutely love for you to come join us. Again, sign up right on our website. Next up, we want to remind everybody about our virtual community. We're going to do it a little bit different this week because we have a testimonial from somebody in the community, so you don't have to hear Emma and me talk about it. But for a little bit of context, as you've all probably heard, back in January, we did an in-person retreat in Atlanta, Georgia, and the person who sent this in happened to be able to join us and sent us some feedback on that. We are planning to do another in-person retreat later this summer or maybe early fall out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. So this won't be your last time or that wasn't your last time to meet people in real life. And so without further ado, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to hand it over to one of our amazing community members to tell you all about their experience. And we will see you in about a minute. Hi, Finn and Emma. I just got back from the community retreat in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and it was a phenomenal weekend. I got to meet so many wonderful people. It was an amazing gathering of beautiful souls, and I came away from it feeling so incredibly full. I just um, feel so much more in touch with the community and putting faces to text messages (laughs) and putting whole bodies to Zoom faces. It was fantastic. And also the workshops that you were able to pull together for us were so, so helpful. So I want to just say thank you from the bottom of my heart because I really, really needed that sense of community. I'm fairly isolated where I am as far as being in a non-monogamous community, and I am so grateful for this opportunity to hang out with you guys and to hang out with everybody that showed up. They were amazing. Thank you. Thank you for coming and joining us in Atlanta and for sending us- thank you so much. Yes, and for sending us this feedback. We are so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For anybody who wants to meet amazing people like this all day, every day. You get to hang out in an app called Mighty Networks. We support each other. We're there for each other. We laugh together. We love together. It is amazing. You cry can, together. We cry on occasion. You can find out more on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab, or there are links in your podcast player show notes below. And last but not least, we also want to remind you all to please check out our favorite way to get tested for STIs. It is stdcheck.com. I'll try to say it slowly so that you can hear what I'm saying, but please check this out. It is the most efficient way that we know of to get tested for STIs. It is discreet and simple. By using the links on our website under the resources tab, you can save $10, making a 10 panel test only $129, and you support the show in doing so, and you get to know your sexual health status. So, And then you can share with all the people that you're going to hang out with and party with. Yes. So again, Emma and I use this service. We've been using it for years. Otherwise, we wouldn't tell you about it. So please, please check it out. 
Thank you in advance for supporting the show and supporting one another. And a quick reminder, please reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. If you want to come on the podcast, we would love to have you. Uh, And if you have any questions for us, feedback, we'd also love to hear that. You can contact us on the Contact Us page of our website. That's Um, why we named it that. Yeah. It's clever. (laughs) And with that, let's go and talk with Kim. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. We're happy you're here today and can't wait to dive in and have a wonderful conversation with you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I so much appreciate this opportunity. We would love for you to start by introducing yourself at whatever level you're comfortable with. Okay, perfect. First off, Kim Lee is not my real name. It's a pseudonym that I use to pen my memoir that just recently came out. It's uh, important for me to sort of keep my anonymity to separate my professional life from my personal life. And it's very important because I find that it's too two different worlds, two spheres that I don't want to sort of um, sort of intersect and cross over. And that boundary is really important for the protection of my profession, but also my family as well. So Kim Lee is the name that I go by just to sort of give you a backdrop of who I am and how did I get into this whole amazing world, not a non monogamous world. Um, my husband and I, Caleb, have been married for over 25 years. We have been active in the swinging lifestyle um, community consistently for over eight years. But we first started, I guess, into this mindset, this this new free way of thinking probably closer to 19, 20 years ago when we accidentally got into the lifestyle. I'm pretty sure there's many people who have shared the same kind of story that it's not something that you sort of think, okay, well, we're going to do this. We're going to get into swinging. It just sort of evolves um, because of a situation, circumstance, and that's exactly what happened to us. So 19 years ago, yeah, close to 19, just when the kids were little, we have two kids and we decided to sort of explore more of our, um, I guess, sexual fantasy side. And it was really going to, back then it was illegal in Canada. And we had gone into uh, a club at a, in a city that was about five hours away and we didn't know what to expect. I think that's the key where a lot of people don't realize it's not something that you just sort of, I guess, intentionally look for. It sort of happens sometimes. And that's what happened to us. And we went to a club that was illegal, but it was a the very first swinging club in Canada. And we uh, were just I guess blown away. We we had no idea what to expect, and we didn't know what to think other than this is amazing. Like I didn't even know this world existed. We it was sort of like um, you know totally scary, but at the same time exciting that there was something more to offer, and and I think that's what really piqued uh, our interest to say. Maybe this is something that we might be interested in. Like it's, it was something that's not in your mind until it sort of presents itself. 
And then it makes you start questioning and wonder, are you into this? Or, you know, do you like, do you like what you're seeing? Do we want to pursue this? And so that's really what happened. And then, I mean, we didn't really jump into it right away. It was very, let's just see how this all sort of, you know, pans out. Let's just, you know, think about it, talk about it. And then it was really, uh, our first experience was really with um, a couple that we found uh, in church. And I know that a lot of people are, are sort of shocked, surprised, like, how did that happen? And again, it it wasn't something we're like, okay, well, you know, there's a couple in pew number four. Like, I think we should really check them out. It wasn't something, and, and I, I don't think they had the same intention as well. Again, it was really um, coming out of just pure friendship that we met yeah. them. We really liked them. We we were sort of in the same situation, young children. And so we spent a lot of time with them. And, and this we, was back like 19 years ago. So, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was 19 years ago. And so we just decided that, you know, we, we were going to hang out together. The kids got, you know, the kids got together. So it was very much a friendship-based um, relationship. Then I'm not quite sure what happened other than to say that alcohol was probably a factor, a huge factor into this. And things just sort of, and I think you also pick up the nuances of the other couple, when you see them more, you sort of see, you know, are they a little bit more um, interested, engaged, engaged into the possibility? So you sort of test the waters in some sense. I'm pretty sure we did that on an unconscious and maybe on a conscious level. Yeah. And they were sort of, they weren't backing away. So I think that's where it all started, where we sort of came together and, and sort of kept moving the dial, so to yeah. speak. And then everyone was on the same page and that's how it all came to be. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, Kim. And I'm, I'm just to clarify was, was the time where you and your husband wound up at the club for your first time. Was that sort of in response to what sort of happened with this other couple from church or what was the lead up to you? Like making the decision, even if you sort of accidentally fell into it, right? There's a, an, and an intentional decision to get in the car, drive to a club, go in the door, especially if it's illegal and underground. My, I'm assuming you didn't just like stumble in through the back door of a, of an unmarked building. <laughs> actually, actually, we did in some sense because when we went to the other city, uh, we were just asking the the taxi driver, "Can you just bring us somewhere that's fun, you know, for adults?" Like we had no idea. And really. He said, yeah, so we really had no intentions. It was just like a fun place to go um, and have some fun. We didn't have the kids. We just wanted to blow off some steam. And so he actually suggested this place. So we had no idea. Really? Where, so your, no, first, your seriously. first conversation about swinging was with a taxi driver who took you to a club. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> had, had you and Caleb talked about it at all leading up to that? Like, no. you be open or interested? Well, that's a lie because I, in the sense of, because we didn't know 
lifestyle and swinging that was even something that was out there. All sure. we knew that we when we talked in the bedroom was about you know, fantasy about, you know, what do you want to do and what, it, like those kind of things. So we had those conversations, but in our minds, we had no idea that there was actual a community, that there was actually a lifestyle out there to even partake in. So to us, we were really stepping into this very naively, you know? Yeah. So, so exactly the taxi driver, he brought us somewhere fun that we wanted to go. And that's, that's where he brought us. And that's the beginning of our eyes opening to the possibility. Wow. So I'm, I'm, wow. Okay. <laughs> this is amazing because I, it sounds like you two had communication around interests, desires. You weren't, you weren't like closed off to exploration, but you hadn't said like, Hey, we're going to go seek out experiences with other people. No. And, and then you get delivered to that i'm I, what what happens when you walk in the door for the first time and the taxi driver's like hey you're gonna have a good time here tonight we'll see you later and you walk in the door like what what was that experience like for the two of you well we were like i said we were blown away because it was so strange and exciting and weird and new everything that you could imagine all the emotions and i remember the manager had um he obviously noticed that we were new and had no clue what we were doing. So he decided to give us a tour of the place and just describing all the different rooms and, you know, the showers, the beds and what you can do, what you can't do. So I think it was a, it was a huge lesson in that moment, just walking through and, and being sort of coached of what to expect. And so I think for us, the experience was eye opening. It was, it was, in some sense, um, probably amazing because it was, we found a place that actually might allow us to act out our fantasy. Like we didn't, like I said, we didn't know that this place existed. It was like this nirvana, like, oh, you know, and here it actually was right in front of us. And so there was that excitement, but also fear because. It would all, it had only been talk. It was never action. So now it's like, it's in front of you. Now we have our chance. Do we seize it? And so there was a, that crossing over where we weren't quite sure at that moment. It was very, it was overwhelming to tell you the truth. So that was our first experience. And, and I, I love that. I'm just, again, without, you don't have to go into all the nitty gritty details, but I'm just curious that first night, I think a lot of people, right, you'd open that door and you'd go, holy shit, not, not to like, even if you were open to it, to be just like, it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. And you two, it seems like you embraced it. You went on a tour. Like, did that night actually like lead to you and him exploring in any way? Or was it just, we're in there, we're talking about it. We now know this exists. We're going to head to church and find <laughs> our, find our people. <laughs> well, not so much in that. Um, order, but I mean that night after we we didn't do anything. We were really just observant and just just like a fly on the wall. Like mm -hmm. we were there watching everything, learning, and it was intriguing. And when we went back to the hotel, we just talked about it and and wanted to sort of, I guess, gauge each other's 
opinion and view and how we felt like, is this what you want to do? Is this what would be good for us? So we, there was a lot of communication and just a lot of talking about it because it's something we didn't want to, we didn't take lightly. We wanted to make sure that we were doing something that was going to be good for both of us. And that would be helpful for our relationship and not hurt it. So we wanted to just talk about it. And we, so we did take it very slow. We didn't sort of plunge right into it. And then to answer your question, I mean, like it was probably a couple years later. So it wasn't like, you know, the next week or months later, it was probably years later that we, you know, it was planted. So it was sitting there, but we weren't going to do, it was staying dormant and we were going to not do it. And we weren't sort of like, we're going to go actively looking. I think for us, I think there was a bit of fear, a little anxiety. So we just sort of like, whenever the moment arises, we'll seize it. I'm not sure what we were waiting for, but we were waiting. We were waiting and, and let's wait and see kind of scenario. Kind of feeling into it. Yeah. We didn't didn't want to jump into anything. So we were being very cautious. And then the church situation happened where, again, we didn't jump into it and we didn't sort of jump onto these two individuals and say, you know, we're going to start swinging with you. We, we became friends and, and that slowly, um, came to a point where I think we all, the four of us were saying, obviously this is not a regular friendship. There's something more here. There's a lot of sexual energy. And I think everyone sort of uh, felt that. And that's Mm -hmm. when we sort of, okay, now what? How do we sort of move to the next, I guess, next phase? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful that we we went back and and picked that apart because like that's an amazing way to get into this. Sort of just pops up for you, and then I love that it went kind of dormant for a few years as you just let it marinate, you let it sink in, and and not to go like, okay, this is amazing. We just have to go, 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 go. But to really like make sure you were going into it in a way that supported your journey and and your partner and your husband's journey. Well, and I imagine that time period too, you said you had little kids. Like, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. <laughs> There's a lot of life happening. <laughs> exactly. There's life outside of the, the community and lifestyle. There, there, There's normal things happening. So I think that's probably another factor why it took some time. We were busy raising our kids, um, working. And so it wasn't something that was at the forefront of our priorities of, of life. So yeah. again, that's why we just sort of like, eh, whatever happens, happens if it happens, but we still had each other. We were still engaging, you know, you know, sexually in the bedroom and with our fantasies. So that continued on. Yeah. And so what happens, you, you meet this other couple and it sort of, na- it sounds like it's sort of a natural evolution of connection and exploration I mean, I'm curious, how did that one play out? And where did that lead the two of you sort of next steps on your journey? That's a good question. Um, I think when we started um, engaging with them sexually, I mean, it was very, it was not, I, I would say that it was like, a handful of times we actually hooked up with them because they had small kids as well. So the logistics of getting together and finding time, um, it, it wasn't like we were, we saw them every weekend more or less, but it wasn't 
geared for, uh, you know, certain play time. It was sort of selective when the time was convenient. And I think the first time we actually um, hooked up with them was when we all went to sort of like a family outdoor play water place place and the kids had a separate room right next to ours the adults and i think that's when things sort of started you know um unfolding where we were together so again we were it was it was very interesting because that was really our first time and it was my first time really playing with another woman so Mm -hmm. on so many levels it was a very important first of many. And so it was, uh, I think there was a lot of, it wasn't smooth in the sense because when you're starting something that you've never tried before, there's a lot of anxiety and you're not sure if the other person's feeling the same way. So it's like four people with their own heads and everyone has certain thoughts in the moment that is, and you're not communicating or you should be communicating with each other. But it's not a lot of time. Nothing's spoken, so everyone's in their own head trying to figure: Is that person okay? Do they want me to initiate or try? So I think there was a lot of figuring out that first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and it was weird also because you know, like I said, it's one thing to fantasize; it's another thing to actually actualize it. And, and so here I was actually finally with another man and he was with another woman and that was our first time. So I think that was at first like different, but at the same time, it was really exciting because this is what we were talking about when we had, you know, when we were, you know, um, in our sex talk, it was like, oh, I want to see you with another person and this, and here it's actually happening. So it was really important for us. One of our, I guess our our rules is that we wanted to stay in the same space. We wanted to be able to be voyeurs and watch each other. That's what gave us pleasure to sort of see each other be with someone else. And that gave us, you know, uh, that aroused us. And so we were all together. But I think over time, whether it was because the other couple, they had certain, they had certain needs where they, didn't want to stay in the same room. They didn't have the same parameters that we did. So mm-hmm. it was sort of like we went into separate rooms and then it, it sort of changed the dynamic, definitely changed the dynamic where I wasn't able to see Caleb. He wasn't able to see me. And now we're sort of separated. So everything was very new, trying to figure out what's working for us, what's not working for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just... For myself, like I think about that time is like an exciting place, right? It's scary, but it's exciting because it's you like you said, you're you're actualizing all of the fantasies that you two have talked about. But mm-hmm. there's like there's the push pull there. There's wow, this is so exciting, but holy shit, it's also maybe a little bit scary or or anxiety inducing to think about, okay, well, now you're gonna leave the room or this might happen, or we're gonna start we're gonna start pushing what are already maybe some some boundaries and Mm. limitations that most people don't ever go to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that was where we, Caleb and I were trying to figure out, you know, um, is this a healthy part 
of our life? Is this something that we want to keep in our life that it's actually giving rise to a healthier, stronger um, connection between the, the two of us? Or is it going to make it more muddled? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's like where you start questioning things. And so I think like, I think when you're with your partner, things can go awry just even with you talking to your partner. Mm-hmm. And then you add two other people in, and that really can get things even more complicated because their expectations and what they want to do may not, you know, sit well with what you want to do as a couple. And then it's trying to sort of navigate that whole relationship, that foursome that you have. And at the time, like I said, we weren't going to the swinging clubs or anything like it was just this particular. So this was a monogamous foursome that we had. And we thought at first, oh, this is, you know, good. This is great. But we started to realize over time, there's some uh, not so good parts about that type of relationship because it brings up a whole host of different issues um, in the relationship. You know, yes, there's fun and sex and this and that, but there's other aspects that aren't so, um, so fun. Mm -hmm. And what, what were some of those that came up for, for the two of you and then the, I guess the four of you and, and where did, where did that take you and Caleb? Cause I, I guess I kind of see this evolution of, I mean, we have a similar one, right? We we don't know what we don't know, and we just learn as we go. We we yes. learned a little bit when we went to the first club. We learned a little bit when we met those first people. We learned a little bit the first time we went into separate rooms, and so hey, we're just always learning. And and there's so little out there, especially 20 years ago, about yeah. how to do this. No, it's true. I mean, this first couple. I mean, what we came to realize that it became very much about their needs and what they wanted. And I think Kayla and I, we got sort of lost in what we needed to do to protect our relationship. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, she sort of had more, she overstepped the boundaries. And that's something that we probably should have had as a four four of us sitting down and saying, what are your expectations? What are your boundaries? What is okay and what's not okay? We never had that conversation, unfortunately. And I don't know whether people, if it's a, it's easier to do that or not, or people find it difficult, but we found it difficult. So we just didn't say anything. We we're just Which like- Which is, I think, really common, by the way. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I feel like we should have known better, but we didn't. We didn't say anything. And I think that got us into a lot of trouble with this particular couple because um, Natalie is her name. And so Steve and Natalie, she had certain expectations of her relationship with Caleb. And so therefore, I think that's where it got very complicated, where she was starting to feel that she could go outside of this foursome circle mm-hmm. and overstep the boundaries of what was okay on outside of the bedroom. And again, that's about boundaries. And, and, and from that point, Caleb and I didn't feel comfortable and thankfully we talked about it and we decided this is not a good fit for us and then we basically slowly and it got 
it was difficult because they were our friends, you know, and we went to the same church. So it got really a bit sticky trying to sort of, I guess, break up with them and, and say that we don't want to have this type of relationship. Um, and it just, without saying much, I think it just slowly, you know, dissipated where we weren't going out over as much. Um, we weren't, um, talking as much and it just slowly, uh, fizzled out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that you said that though, that like we, you know, we should have probably sat down as a group and talked about it all, but right. This is, we don't know. We don't, well, no we, one, you, don't, you don't, you aren't necessarily <laughs> taught that. So yeah. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And I think what you said is like, you're constantly learning and you sort of learn as you go. And I think a lot of times, even though I've been in this, we've been in this lifestyle for a long time and we're still learning. Mm-hmm. Like every, yeah. every moment. It's an ongoing is a, process. It's a learning moment for us constantly. And because every, every couple, every individual, every moment and who you are as per- people, we've changed. And so in different situations, different variables enter into the situation that you can't always say, okay, well, let's go back to like that. I know how we can deal with this. We sort of know how to deal with things, but really, everyone's so different that you might have to take a different approach or do something slightly different yeah. to to handle that that particular situation so we're still learning and uh and so unfortunately Kayla and I still didn't learn from our mistake because we entered another situation another form another so clearly experience has not helped us in any way <laughs> Well, maybe not in any way, but I, I would imagine how, how did the next one go? I, did, I would assume uh, you, took, you took some lessons from the first one into... Not really. This, no? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. I Tim. know. I know. I know you are. And, well, you, and, know, you know, I want to say that sometimes we have to learn lessons multiple times. Yeah, we, like, we've been there. So it's, that's really common to you. Yeah. 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 When, I re- when I read over my... When I read over my book and I'm like, oh, man, we really really did we're clueless aren't we we just didn't get it we just didn't know what we were doing and and like i said we made we entered now it was probably about 4 or 5 years later that we entered our second monogamous foursome and they were our neighbors Okay, adding more complexity. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just really curious, but that, that four or five year gap, were you two still exploring or after you came out of that foursome, was it like, shit, that was a lot. We're going to shut this down. Oh, kind yeah, of- no. We, we have the, we, I've, I've come to know that Kayla and I, we have a good pattern. We pretty much, when we have a bad experience, we just shut it down. We just go into dormant stage. <laughs> That's what we do. And we yeah, walk do away. Do some healing and recovery. And come yeah, back. we yeah. regroup and then we, and we came back. Maybe it was probably closer to three or four years that we, we met our neighbors. And again, they were not swingers. You know, we didn't consider, we didn't even consider ourselves swingers, to tell you the truth. Like, we just thought we were like, we just hooked up with people that we knew it was a one-off situation. So at that time, we never actually gave ourselves that label. Like, we were swinging, there was this community, nothing like that. So yeah, yeah. The, these neighbors were the same situation. They had small, ch- we seemed to gravitate toward f- other family yeah. Small children, people that you can sort of 
relate to, identify, and you have the same sort of circle. Our, our kids and their kids went to the same school. So there was, there was some, I guess, comfort in knowing that there were some similarities and commonalities between us and them. Of course. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Like that's weird. We're naturally as people, you know, drawn towards people that are similar to us. Yes. So in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm, I just want to add clarity, like in these situations, it sounds, and I want you to continue the story in just a minute, but in these situations with these couples, these two experiences, it sounds like what you were trying to lean into was more of a, like a friendship, a deep friendship with sexual component, not necessarily specific, like individual dyad relationships. Exactly. But there's a fine line, and that's what sounds it sounds like got you two in a little bit of was hard for the first one, and I imagine this mm-hmm. might be coming for the second one as no, well. No, absolutely. I think I think you um, you nailed it. That we really were seeking out a social um, bonding with our people that were in our our circle, whether it was in mm-hmm. church in our neighborhoods. We wanted to actually have that social. That was. That was really important for Caleb. We've always said, and to this day, social is a very important part, if not more important than the sex for us. Um, I find that we relate more to the people that we actually have something in common, that we we want to hang with them. We want to talk to them. We actually like you guys, not, not just the sex. It's really about... Um, liking the individual to say, you know what, you guys are really cool to hang out with and you have lots to offer us. Um, like whether it's in conversation, in experiences, that's really what. And so when we were going into these two monogamous relationships, that's exactly what we wanted to have was to have that social, that connection. And then the added bonus was the sex after hours type thing. Yeah. 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 I love that the way you describe that, Kim. And and I think, I mean, the similar to the way that Emma and I navigated a lot of non-monogamy for for the first long while that we did it. And and just like recognizing, I think as we do this, and it sounds like as you have done this, you recognize that there's so much unspoken and and so many like social norms that go into this. And it sounds like that first couple was right? You, you start to say, well, we're really deep friends. We're really close and we add sex. And then society says, well, then it's a relationship. So I should get, I need more. I want more. I'm feeling more. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if nobody's talked about the expectations, mm-hmm. right? We're just, we just sort of go on. I always feel like we kind of go on autopilot and we get on that relationship escalator almost by default if mm-hmm. we don't, if we don't talk about it. And and so I just, I don't know, I just point, pointing that out because I think it's really, it's, it's not like a failure, right? The, the, the mm-hmm. first woman, was it Natalie? Like, mm-hmm. no failure, right? She just, she felt things. She expressed those things. Nobody had thought about, well, well shit, this might get more serious than yep. just us being friends and hooking up. And yep. like, we don't think about that because it's not in our world. It's very true. I mean, uh, I mean, Looking back now, I can see that, you know, you know, Natalie was exploring certain things and she, if we were inclined to and we were okay to, I'm sure we could have had more of a relationship that sort of where she had a connection with Caleb on an emotional level, which I think that's what she was seeking. And mm-hmm. he was okay with it. 
it could have maybe morphed into something different than what we were prepared to do at that time. It was so new to us. It was something that we didn't understand. We didn't talk about. All we knew is that this was all happening and we were just sort of trying to navigate as we went along. Yep. That's mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happens with the neighbors and, and maybe where does that oh. take, where does that take the, the Kim and Caleb journey? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that was a significant because that friendship with Annie and Tom were their names. They, they were so integral into our life. It, it was over a two year period that we became so close. She was my best friend. And and I think that's where it got really problematic for me when I found out one day that she and Caleb were having an affair. And that's really where the start of the book was. The reason why I started penning this book was really out of uh, a moment for me to, I started journaling at the time or right after that whole thing sort of fell apart to sort of understand what went wrong? What went so terribly wrong? I thought that Caleb and I had such a solid relationship that we told each other everything, that everything was, you know, transparent, that there were no secrets. And somehow um, Annie was able to convince Caleb. And I mean, Caleb's, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend Caleb. He He had his own choices and decisions. But it was such, um, and when you read more of the context and the layer within the book, you can see where he came to be to make those decisions, those bad decisions of keeping um, this a secret, to having the affair. To him, it was like we were, it was complicated because we were all having sex already. So it was not like, oh, well, he, they're just, we were already having sex as a foursome. Mm-hmm. It was not the sex so much as the secrecy that they yeah. held with each other. And and the fact that she, being my best friend, or so I thought, was sort of navigating her way into his life unbeknownst to me. It was and I think that's where the 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 core of the the book is is about that discovery of that affair and how that affected me and how it affected my relationship with Caleb and how more importantly how did we navigate after post affair how did we resolve navigate and and manage to work through it i think that was really so that relationship with Annie and Tom, the second monogamous relationship was really a pivotal point in our relationship. And that had, and at the time I didn't realize how much, um, even though it sounds similar to the relationship with Natalie and Steve, it was completely different on so many levels because there was more of a connection as friendship and connection between Caleb and Annie, um, not so much myself and Tom. I mean, I think Tom was just sort of in it. If anything, he got it right. He was just sort of like just in and out. Like he was not invested. He knew his boundaries were very clear. So if anyone that had it sort of right, he was the one. And the three of us got sort of caught up in this, this, um, 
whirlwind and unbeknownst to me at the time, but it really affected my relationship with Caleb where I thought, um, I mean, like I said, we've been married for 25 years. We knew each other a year and a half prior to getting married. I thought he was my everything. I thought that he was my soulmate. At the time in my 20s, you know, I believed in the concept of, of soulmate, that you wait, you, you date a lot of people, and you find the perfect person that meets every part of what you're looking for, sexually, physically, um, mentally, emotionally. They're going to be your everything. And you will be so happy once you marry, and then, you know, then you find your nirvana. And, and at that time, because I subscribed to that notion of soulmate, and I thought we had such a perfect relationship, this whole relationship with Annie uh, and Caleb having the affair made me question everything that I ever believed in. Is he my everything? Is this the person? Is he really my soulmate? So it it threw a lot of questions. It it shook my world. You know, it shook my world, and I didn't know how to sort of figure it out. And that was why um, writing the book was really important to me to try to make sense of what happened here. How did we go? How did we fall so far from what I thought we had? When I thought, you know, um, and then you know, post the relationship, I've come to realize that, you know, you know, it's been 13, 14 years since the affair. I've had time to sort of um, figure out, to process what's been happening. And I've come to realize that um, I don't believe in that concept of soulmates. Um, For me, for me, I... I don't believe that there's one person that's going to meet your everything. And I think it'd be a disservice to to Caleb or for him to expect for me to be his perfect partner, to be everything. So I, and that's probably why we sort of continued along this pathway of living a non-monogamous lifestyle because we both acknowledge to each other, we're honest with each other to say, you cannot meet all of my needs and I can't meet all of your needs. And that's okay. That's okay. And that's part of our growth and our learning as we continue to navigate through life um, and with each other in each other's life. So I think that's why it was important to sort of understand that we need to uh, figure out our shit. We need to figure out what we need from each other. I needed certain things from Caleb that he didn't deliver. And, and maybe I, you know, and I didn't deliver certain things to him. So we're trying to still figure that out. And, and that's why I love where we're at now because, and we're still evolving. I'm pretty sure there's certain things I'm feeling now that, you know, I didn't feel 13 years ago. So I'm changing. He's changing. Our needs are changing. So we're trying to figure out, do our needs still align that we want to navigate this together? Or do we, or is it so far apart that it's not working for each other, that we're not 
individually happy? So those are always questions that, you know, we're having an honest conversation about because it's important. Like, are we still on the same boat or are we sort of diverging in some ways? And if we are, do we want to keep that on that path or do we want to try to bring it back closer together because that's what we as a couple want? Yeah. That's that's beautiful, Kim. And I think the yeah. the I think what what I gather out of this and what what stood out to me is almost this this lack of a better term like a wake up call, right? That 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 I think so many people live in this world of just assuming, right? Emma and I got married, so I assume she and I want everything together. We will be together forever. She will like we just make assumption after assumption after assumption, yeah. and all of your assumptions got completely stripped away and blown away. And and now you two have to look at your partnership and go, well, what is it that we really want? Where do we really fit? How do we really want to move forward together? Do we? And and it sounds like you you are, but you you don't just take it for granted anymore. That it's there are questions you're asking yourselves, there are questions you're asking each other. Yep. And and you don't just slip into autopilot and just assume everything I want, he wants, everything you know, my partner wants, I want, because those, that's, we, we, then we go years and years where we just assume, but maybe our paths have diverted, but we didn't know. No, absolutely. And back at the, during the, you know, 13 years ago, when this happened, when the fam, the affair sort of, you know, came to light, I mean, obviously it was devastating for me and, and, and I, I, you know, I was in a really bad place now, you know, moving where I'm at now, I look back at that point in my life, in our life, and I think it's a blessing because like you said, it was a wake-up call for for me, for, for Caleb, and our relationship to not assume that everything was okay and put it on cruise control and think, you know, we're going to be happy and content when we weren't really communicating. We thought we were great communicators. We thought we were talking about everything. But really, now looking back, we weren't talking about the right things. We weren't talking about the hard things and going there. And I think that was the problem. And because of our lack of communication about the right things, that landed us in that situation. And so I'm now that I look back, like I said, it was a, uh, a a difficult time, but at the same time, it really did open my eyes to say, you know what, we, if we want to continue on this journey together, we need to really start talking more honestly about what we're feeling, thinking, what you want, what I want, what's okay, what's not okay. And then we can, we might have a chance at keeping this relationship alive and healthy and 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 wonderful but if we don't talk i think that's the end and you know part of the whole swinging community you know lifestyle i would say is i don't think if we were living a monogamous lifestyle that certain aspects would have been spoken about i think being in the lifestyle you have to like literally trump like communication skills, like you really have to, like it escalates. It's like you have to be 
so much better at communicating when you're in the lifestyle or in a, in a non-monogamous relationship because so many things could come into the situation that could just kill your relationship. So communication has to be above par, you know, it has to be there. And I think that's why in some sense, I think the lifestyle it has been helpful for our relationship because it forced us to talk more and to talk about the things that we need to be, that forced us to talk about the things that we were afraid to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would, I yeah. would offer too some of those things that you were probably afraid to talk about, you didn't even know needed to be talked about or didn't even know were there. And I think that's what's so, like you said, you said we're, we're great, we were great communicators or we mm-hmm. thought we were. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of times Emma and I said that over the last decade. We're like, we're, we've got this communication thing figured yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And we did, and we did for the path we were on. Yeah. Sort of. Yes. Yeah. And once kind of once we really dug into it, it exposed a lot of gaps in that. That then you're like, oh, we yeah. didn't know. We didn't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it just demonstrates how each of us and people in general grow and change over time. And you learn, look back, and you're like, oh, that that was that. That was a learning experience. How did and, I not know? and that was learning experience. And yeah. that was learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of learning. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of learning experience and, and painful ones at that. And and so going back to that whole concept for me of soulmate, I, I I've actually had spoken to someone in the past where he actually mentioned the term soul encounters. And I really it res it really resonated with me because his definition of soul encounters was that you will meet so many people in your lifetime that have such an impact, a significant impact, and touch you in a way that you've never been touched, where it allows you to learn from them. It gives you invaluable lessons and satisfies a lot of your needs, or maybe all of your needs. You'll meet a number of these soul encounters throughout your life. And I believe that if I'm not going to say that Caleb is my soulmate, I'm going to say he's one of the most significant soul encounter, soul encounters of my life because he has taught me so much. And I would hope I've taught him um, a lot as well along our journey together. And so I love the fact that in the non-monogamous community, you're meeting such amazing, different um interesting people that add so much to your life that you would not have otherwise had that opportunity to learn. And that's why I love where we're at because we're continuing to meet different people that add more to us as a couple, but also individually. And that's what I love about it because I think there's so much out there in this world that we haven't seen or or experience completely and it's still to be discovered and that's what i love about meeting new people because they could be your next soul encounter yeah yeah i that, love that term yeah thank you for for sharing that it's i love i love what you shared and thank you that was i agree that's a beautiful term and a beautiful way to look at interactions and connections and relationships yeah um i appreciate you sharing yeah, yeah. and i think when you when you use the word soul mates it puts a lot of burden on each other to 
have that expectation that you're going to meet your partner's every wants and needs. It's a lot to shoulder, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And and by us releasing that, it, it allowed us to say, you know what, it's okay. You're not going to meet all of my sexual needs. You're not going to meet all of my emotional needs. And that's okay. I still want to be with you. I, I choose to be with you. But there are other people that can sort of fill in the parts that you might want at that moment in time. And so it just adds to it. It doesn't take away from your relationship. It just adds to you, which then completes your relationship with your partner. And so that's why I believe that it's important not to put so much expectation on one person because it just sets you up for disappointment, in my opinion. A lot of disappointment because then everyone has a certain expectation of each other that maybe that's not realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm, I'm curious, Kim, where where you and Caleb, I mean, you've sort of talked about how your mindset has shifted a little bit and your expectations and how these, these dynamics really influenced where you two took things. Where, like, where are you today sort of in how you two navigate the world of non-monogamy, like I, I picked up it, maybe you're a little more open to, hey, this person, and maybe you meet a couple, but like two of you have a little more than two other of you. And maybe there's a little more room in there than there was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. just to, And just to clarify, like you shared at the beginning, the last eight years or so, you've been much more active in mm-hmm. the swinging lifestyle. So yeah, I just yeah. That evolution, I'm really curious about too. Where you where you're at? Yeah. So I mean, right, right now we are, you know, very active in the swinging community. Um, we are still, you know, I think for us, and and it's again, it's constantly evolving because I'm not Caleb's not me. I'm not him. So we're two different people with different needs. So it's it's a balancing act of trying to compromise and share in the same experience and get what you need from that experience, you know? And so that's where I'm navigating with, uh, with Caleb, where, you know, we have made certain guidelines, like, you know, we don't want to have, um, you know, a threesome. That's not something that we want to have, but that could change next week. I don't know. So it's sort of like, we're sort of figuring out, you know, we've done like, the we have different um, couples that we uh, not our rolodex the ones that we choose to sort of want to hang with on a consistent basis because we really connect with them yeah. and so we have those partners but for the most part it's sort of like you know we go to the clubs we are together we want we're still very much into being in the same room because we like that whole uh, voyeur watching each other um pleasuring someone else. Um, but in terms of where we're at, I mean, I think I am evolving differently than Caleb, where I think he has certain wants and needs that are very, you know, for lack of better words, sort of stagnant. It's the same, where maybe I'm a little bit more open to trying different things. So it's trying to figure out, like, how do I get my needs met? but also be respectful of what is 
um, respectful are of our boundaries in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So that it's a fine line. It's a very interesting dance trying yeah. to figure that out, uh, and 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 where everyone feels um, happy, content. Um, you know, where you're not feeling like you're being shafted in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're a lot more, like, regard, like you don't have it figured out. Nobody has it figured out, right? <laughs> Back to the whole constantly learning yeah. thing. <laughs> but it's, it sounds like you're much more aware and open with the conversations that it's, it's not just laying under, you know, dormant, popping up and scaring you, but you're talking about it saying, yeah, we might be on slightly different paths, but we want to co-create. And how do we co-create when we want different things? And that could be a relationship, that could be sex, that could be dinner, it could be where you want to live. Like there's endless mm-hmm. numbers of these types of things that you may not want exactly the same thing, but how do we co-create a world that we're both feeling happy, healthy, fulfilled in the partnership. Absolutely. Because if you don't have that conversation, you might might as well be doing things separately where you get to do what you want and she gets to do what she wants. Do you know what I mean? So it's important to have that that compromise and 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 respect of each other and what you want in this relationship, or else it it it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would love to go back. I, I want to give you a chance to talk about your book a little bit more, but there is one part that that I would really love to talk about because I've been sitting here thinking if we've if we've had this exact dynamic on the show, and I don't think we have. We've had people who got into non-monogamy because of an infidelity. Somebody cheated and they were mm-hmm. like, huh, well, we don't want to throw away the marriage. Let's open it up, or we don't want to throw away the partnership. Right. Let's figure out how. But I I don't know that we've had the we opened up, we were open, and there was some element of an infidelity or an affair within the open relationship. Mm. And then to continue that and to restructure it and to keep going, because I mm. could see you, you made the comment like, when shit goes wrong, we just shut it down and run away. But mm-hmm. this one, it sounds like you faced it sort of head on and said, okay, this, this mm. blew up in a different way. What are we actually going to do? And you didn't run away, but that I think that takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage to keep moving forward and rebuild the trust to say we're going to keep playing in this theoretically really dangerous pool where there's mm-hmm. there is lots of opportunities mm-hmm. for this type of thing to happen if it's not there. Yeah, and you kept doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, honestly, after the fair blew up, it, we took definitely. A longer period of time um, away from the lifestyle. Uh, we needed to focus on rebuilding us. If there was an us, mm-hmm. yeah. we wanted to protect ourselves and our relationship, and try to figure out what went wrong and how can we avoid making the same mistake. So we needed some time to really um, uh, go through. All of that, and you know, with the help of their a couple's counseling, we were able to sort of really break down. And it wasn't really, it really, the affair was the catalyst. But if we peeled back the layers, it was not just the affair. It it dug deeper because it touched 
it triggered other things in my relationship with, um, you know, my father and, and how I was transferring it to Caleb. So there was a lot of stuff that was needed to be unpacked. And so we needed the time away to do all of that, to figure out, um, each other, our relationship, and if we are going to forge ahead together or separately. Mm -hmm. And so when we did come on the other end and realize we wanted to stay together, we wanted to put in the work, we knew it was going to be a heck of a lot of work to try to remedy things, uh, but we we wanted to give it a try. And when we did, after we, you know, things sort of the dust settled, one thing that we came to realize was that the lifestyle and living a non-monogamous life was very much a part of us and our relationship. It wasn't, that wasn't the cause of our problems. It was the lack of communication that was the problem. It wasn't the monogamy or swinging or, or, you know, Annie and Tom, it was about us. And what, when we sort of stripped everything down, we came to realize swinging the lifestyle non-monogamy that is a core of our relationship it's the fiber of what makes us come together it it allowed us to be happy as a couple it was not feeling it missing like we were missing a thing it was just allowed us to do things in a way that made our relationship happy fulfilled exciting you know and we didn't want to just coexist we wanted to keep the excitement in our our relationship so really that's the takeaway from that whole situation that mess that we were sort of able to sort of get ourselves out of we needed to have this continue in our life it was important for us and and that's why we did so for us it wasn't so much courageous as just it was a necessity to continue being, you know, happy, connected, in love with each other and alive. We want to continue this into, you know, we're seventies, eighties or however long, um, you know, so that was important for us. I think that realization. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you touching on that and explaining that and just, talking about how you two have navigated this journey. Like it's each one of us has our own journey, but mm. so many I think there's a lot of people that are going to relate to a lot of what you say shared. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, and the idea that what I took away from that was there was risk, there was yeah. hurt, there was even probably some damage, but even through all of that, you were, you were learning more about each other. You were improving communication. You were improving your relationship. You were even having fun, right? You, you, you said like it was fun. It became a core of who we were. And I think to remember that sometimes within the core of who we are, that means we do things. And in order to grow and become more of who we are, we have to do things that are hard and scary and risky mm -hmm. and that may blow up and cause damage. But then you heal out of that into the new version of you and so i just is is really beautiful story hearing how you and, and caleb and and these other people have gone through these experiences come out with a different understanding of who you are and a different relationship as you move forward yeah and yeah. i love that you took like 
you took time. You've taken, Mm -hmm. this is not like the, it's only been an hour conversation, but you're talking about 19 years of experience here. So it's, it's not like it's been, it's taken time to talk through all of that, to heal through all of that, to do the individual work and the connective work and the relational work Mm -hmm. to be where you're at today. Yes, absolutely. It it's I mean if I look back at all the moments, I mean there's been so many moments, so many learning moments for us individually and as a couple. And and so I don't take it lightly when I see everything and then just put everything together and say, "You know what? Everything happened for a reason. It all makes sense now because it brought us where to where we are or where we're supposed to be." at this moment in time. And luckily, Caleb and I are still together. Um, It could have not ended that way, but luckily it is where we feel, you know, stronger. Um, I'm not saying we have a perfect relationship still. We're still navigating. We're still talking. We talk a lot and, uh, and we need to continue to talk or else I think our relationship would break down. In essence, yeah, Yeah, without a doubt. And and now you have a better understanding of what things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I love that. I love everything you've shared today, Kim. I appreciate you reaching out to us, coming on, um, sharing your story, and and for taking this also and putting it into a book. And and would love to give you a, a few minutes to share. A little bit more about the book, what people can expect from the book, and, and yeah, where they can find it. And also, keep in mind that listeners, everything that that Kim is about to say will be in the show notes, so you don't have to write it all down. Mm-hmm. We'll got links for you. Oh, perfect. So yeah, the book. Uh, I mean, uh, I was very thrilled to actually be published, and it's been a labor of love, and so it came out in October, and now you can buy it on Amazon like where all books are sold. And uh, I have a website, um, theswingerinthemirror.com, and that has all the um, interesting bits about me as an author, um, about the book. Um, also, there's a, a bunch of interesting blogs that I'm putting onto the website just about different um, um, information um, you know, about the lifestyle, about me. So there's a lot on the website that I'm pretty proud about. Um, I'm on Twitter and at Kim Lee author and Facebook, Instagram, all the rest, the, the usual. The usual. We got you. <laughs> and I, I'm just curious if you could quickly touch on like what inspired you to actually write the book and publish it. Because so many people write this stuff down or share it, like share it with close friends, but it's what inspired you to really share it with the world? That's a good question. Um, honestly, I had no intentions of writing a book. Uh, that was definitely not something I imagined I was going to do. I was just journaling. And that's always been, and that's something in my practice, I tell my clients that, you know, when you need to get a lot out and you're feeling anxious, journal it down. So for me, that was what I was doing. And over that period of time, um, I wrote more and more and more. And I just realized that I had a lot to share and maybe someone could benefit from the experience, from my experience and, and, 
and read something that would make some sense or that they could relate to. And so that's really how it came to be the book. I never actually thought it was going to be published. I, I mean, I, I was seeking, but I didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to happen. And when it happened, I was just like, I was thrilled. So that's where I, I am now, where I'm like, dreams do come true. I love it. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah. And for before, just before we let you go, is there anything else you want to get out in the world today before, before we bid you farewell and knowing that you know what? This might not be our last time. Maybe we'll get you and Kayla back on and and see where where the story takes you to. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we won't. <laughs> so don't hold your breath. <laughs> I won't. Okay. Um, I would just say honestly, I think people need to be open and honest with themselves. Be brutally honest because I think a lot of times we keep things inside and. We either think it's not important or I, or you're too embarrassed to talk about it, but I think there's a lot within ourselves that we should share to ourselves but and also to our partners because I think that helps you to navigate the world better. It it takes away assumptions, misunderstandings, um, things that you thought were true, weren't true. So it, just having those conversations and just being honest and open, I think, I think, like they said, the truth will set you free. It's really true. It really is true. And, and you can grow from that. We'll make mistakes. We'll have blunders, but we'll learn from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you again for just everything. As Finn said, we appreciate everything that you shared and the work that you're putting out there too. And um, thank you for reaching out. Yeah. Thank and you. <laughs> yeah. We can't wait till next time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And we're back. Thank you again, Kim, for everything that you shared, walking us through your journey, and for sharing the incredible story of the first time you went to a sex club as well. Yeah, not everybody gets randomly dropped off by a taxi driver. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want to have a good time tonight? I know a place. (laughs) Also, a quick reminder, please go and check out Kim's memoir, The Swinger in the Mirror. Links are in the podcast show notes, which you can find on our website, normalizingnomonogamy.com. Oh, and while you're on our website, you can sign up for our next virtual meet and greet that's going to be on March 7th. Next week, you're not going to believe this, we have an interview coming up. Actually, before that, we have something on Friday. Oh, that is a good point. Well, tell them what's happening on Friday, Emma. This coming Friday, we have our next Ask Us Anything episode publishing with Finn and Miche answering your listener questions. So come back and listen then. And if you're like, well, you didn't answer my question, that's because you didn't send us a question. (laughs) So please head over to our website, click on the podcast tab, and then there's one that says Ask Us Anything. And right there, you can send us a voice memo that we will play on the sh- on the Ask Us Anything episodes. And then we will we will wax philosophically about your question as as Misha and I give a give you our best guess at what we think should happen. Yep, we're opinionated. <laughs> That's okay. And we leave a lot of room for, yeah, figure it out on your own. (laughs) You're going to want to listen. That's that's what the bottom line is. You're going to want to listen to the episode. Yeah, I didn't sell it, did I? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm trying to cover. Are you trying here. to help me out? So we'll we'll see you on Friday. You can definitely tune in. You're not going to want to miss it, as Emma was trying to tell you earlier. And then next week, February 28th, it will be. We will have another interview with Anna. So you're going to want to come back and listen to that one. Also, while you're thinking about that episode, since this is way at the end, and we don't think we'll confuse anybody. <laughs> You can head over to our website, look at the show notes for this episode, and there is a link for Metamore Day, February 28th, which will be the day next week's episode comes out. You can buy yourself, actually, you can buy your Metamores some postcards. Yep. And there is more information about those postcards, again, at the links in our show notes. This is a collaboration we're doing with Bloom, the Bloom community app. And our guest next week is actually the creator, the artist who created these cards. And if you want to buy some of these cards and save yourself 20%, you can use the discount code NNM. Again, all of this will be in the show notes, but please check it out. They're awesome. They're they're really amazing. They are. They're super cool. And so we're super... And we're, oh. and we're excited to talk to Anna, too. I was going to say, we're super excited to talk to Anna next week. Yep. I'm glad we agreed. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.